What's going on, everybody, and welcome back for Season 2, Episode 2 of Hit the Books. This is basically a continuation of our last episode where we went over our Week 0, you know, futures and such in the NFL. We're ready to wrap things up here with our headlines from all around the leagues. Like always, if you're new to the podcast, be sure to visit us, visit us on our various social media platforms. Link in the description below. Let's get right to it. We introduced a new member to the Hit the Books crew during the Week 0 portion of this episode. So back for his second episode. Let's start with him. Alex Ace, what's happening, my man? Great to have you. Hit me with your best shot. What's happening? Uh, nothing much. Happy to be here again. Like I said, uh, looking to get rolling in the groove now with the boys. We're ready to roll after that first episode. Um, got a lot to talk about. Some big headlines to come at you. Um, NFL season right around the corner. MLB playoffs right around the corner. So one of the times to talk about sports. So I'm ready to go. Good stuff, Ace. Yes, again, very happy to have you week in and week out here. Got a big NFL season ahead of us. Huff, you're up. What's happening, buddy? What's going on, everyone? Uh, happy to be back. Like Jesse said, a little continuation of week zero. Um, had a little bit of a run over uh, with some scheduling conflicts, but I uh, figured we'd get out in two episodes. So we're going to do, like Ace and Jesse said, all the headlines. Uh, as far as what's going on, it's first Saturday of college football. I mean, last year, last week was week zero or whatever, but I don't even count that. So, uh, big slate of college football games today. That's definitely what I'm going to be doing all day today. So, can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Yes, sir. College football today. Very, very excited for that. Got to get my bets in this morning as we were recording earlier than ever. Yes, Ace. Very excited to have you, buddy. Without further ado, let's just jump right in to our headlines. Let's start off with the MLB this week. First up, the Los Angeles Angels announced Tuesday that the organization the organization has initiated a possible sale of the team. Whew. Big big news out of L.A. Huff, you want to start off with this one, buddy? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that a lot of people <clears throat> have been calling for the sale of for the past, I mean, so many years in the MLB. Uh, team, like, I mean, a, a lot of us, we talk about, like, you know, they have Otani and they have Mike Trout. They have two of the best stars in baseball. And, you know, they see, they see the final or they see the box score at the end of the night and the Angels are losing games, you know, 10 to 3. And you, you see Otani and Trout doing all these crazy stats. Uh, and the team, unfortunately, just can't get it done. Not making it to the playoffs since 2014. Um, there's a lot of other teams around the MLB that haven't been to the playoffs in that amount of time, like a team that's hot right now in the Seattle Mariners. And they have their eyes set on maybe, you know, an AL. AL title, maybe even a World Series, uh, you know what I mean, appearance. But uh, to look at the Angels situation, I think me being a Pirates fan, this is something I wish would happen with my team. Uh, just get a fresh face in the front office and let things uh, shift around. Obviously, they have stars in the lineup. Like I said, Trout, Otani. They got uh, Rendon on a 10-year crazy deal a couple years ago, paying him big money, but no salary cap in baseball. There's not really, um, you know what I mean, if you have an owner that's willing to pay, uh, you clearly it's been proven you can pay to win in baseball and uh, in a market like Los Angeles, I think, I mean, you get the right owner in there. I think you could have some serious success. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, angels have always been the, the Robin to the Batman of the Dodgers in LA, but I mean, this team has two of the best players in the world right now and they can't find a way to win. This year was supposed to be a little better than most years. You know, they started the season, 25 and 10 or something like that they're really hot to start the season and then they just yeah absolutely fell off like so you know this team had high hopes this year obviously didn't go their way and i think this owner this owner is just 
saying time to give up at this point. I wish I wish nothing would say the fucking same thing. For real. Yeah, I agree that they should definitely look about look about moving on after having Otani and Trout, the two best players in the game. Otani coming up on his free agency year too. I feel like once he leaves and goes to a better market, then they might finally say, "Hey, we haven't had what's worked with the best players. Should be time to reset." It starts from the top down. Absolutely. Absolutely, and jumping into. Jumping over the Mariners, Julio Rodriguez signs a 14-year contract extension worth $210 million, coming in at $15 million annually. This deal could end up being worth over $400 million with team and player options. I read somewhere like $470 million. Pretty crazy there for the Mariners. Mackie, you want to start us off here? Yeah, I, I think this is like insane. 14, a 14-year contract is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I guess it's the MLB, and you do see uh... – you do see bigger contracts like this, like longer, longer contracts, I would say. But I don't know. He's, he's locked in until he's 38 years old. I mean, I think if I mean, from a front office standpoint, I think this is a steal from the Mariners side. You get this saying. young, yeah, you get this young superstar locked up for 14 years. And like you say, right now, 15 million annually. I mean, I know you said this deal could end up being worth up, you know, northwards of 400 million dollars, but. I mean, if he would have taken a bet on himself deal, you know what I mean, a five year, he would have gotten the not necessarily the money that Soto was getting clearly, but um, it's a dude that was obviously a young star all throughout this season, very hyped up coming into this year. And um, I mean, I don't know too much about them. Like the Mariners weren't really a team on my radar most of the season, and obviously we started kind of riding them for most of the bets. They got very hot uh, for a span there towards the All Star break or before the All Star break, and. I don't know, Ace. You got too much. You got too much to say on this. I just think it's a steal from the front office standpoint. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw this. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you on that one. Um, I don't have too much on that one right now. Yeah, fourteen-year deal is just. I mean, yeah, it's like he's, it's such he's an hitting, upside thing. And like, he's just starting to like go up right now. Like, you're not even close to your peak, and you're signing a fourteen-year contract. I mean. There's got to be a better option here. I mean, two hundred ten dollars is hard to turn down, but or two hundred ten million. million. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two hundred ten million dollars is hard to turn down. But I mean, fourteen years—that's that could be an entire career. Yeah. Good stuff. Jumping over the Tampa Bay Rays and starting pitcher Tyler Glasnow agree to terms on a new two-year extension. Huff, you want to rip? You want to rip this one for us? Another another big name former pirate guy gets a, a deal. Obviously, this is a guy coming off an injury this year. Uh, Ace, he was pretty pretty big piece of the the Rays World Series. I mean, I think he was actually hurt, but pretty big piece in the Rays rotation, a team in your division. Uh, you know, he's gonna be sticking around in what is that the AL East? Yeah, definitely the AL East. And Glasnow, everybody was touting him as like one of the next best pitchers in the MLB. So that was tough to see him go down. Um, it's pretty funny that they still find these pitchers out of nowhere, that raised farm system just is never depleted. So with Glasnow, that would be a nice addition to that team. They have so many pieces already down in Tampa Bay. Yeah, I mean, do we do – I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's a team I could see making another necessarily World Series run. Obviously, well, the – You have to look at it, where they sit in the wild card race, the addition of Glasnow, even if you had them right now, does that push them over the top? Does that push them past the Yankees? I don't know. It definitely I don't puts think them the rest of the pack. I don't think the Rays have a have a um, lineup to get through the AL or even close. Yeah. Their bats are way too slow for that for that uh, 
for that league, for the American League. Yeah, I think if they lean on that pitching and get someone like Glasnow back, they, they'd have to replicate what they did um, the last time they went to the World Series. Like Hoff said, you just got to rely on hot bats and young guys coming up in clutch spots. So if the play, wait, if the if the playoffs started today, the Rays are what a wild card? Yeah, yeah, the first wild card actually. So they play the, uh, the Guardians, I think. Oh wait, no, it would be the second wild card they would play. Is that the Mariners or the Blue Jays? It's the Mariners right now. Yeah, that's that's gonna keep flipping for a while. Yeah, they're all within a, a game, I think. Got a month left. Playoffs for baseball are coming in hot. Pretty excited for that come October, so we'll see what happens there. Adidas announced this past week that we'd be that they would be cutting all ties with the San Diego Padres star Fernando Tatis Jr. Pretty interesting point there. Ace, you want to run with this one? Yeah, that's that's not a surprise to me. I mean, we've seen this before with many other cover athletes getting their uh, deals taken away whenever something controversial pops up. So I, I don't even think that's much of a surprise to anybody. But I would be surprised to see if his other endorsements end up cutting ties as well. Um, I haven't heard too much about it besides just Adidas. But Tatis was such a big name, and people are pinning him to be the next face of baseball. And I don't know if they can continue to roll with that. Yeah, it's not the it's not necessarily the guy that you know what I mean. The MLB, I mean, they're look they're they need to grow the game any way they can get. Obviously, the the decline in like TV ratings and stuff with the MLB. I mean, obviously, the playoffs are the playoffs with the MLB, but. Um, guys, you need guys like Tatis, and you know what I mean. Tatis, Soto, um, Judge, all these guys, like you know what I mean. Basically, to be the picture perfect guy off the field, and something like this slips up, and I mean, not every guy is going to be that person. So, I don't know, but that's just me. Like you said, I don't think it's necessarily too surprising. Obviously, we've seen this before, but um, what was his suspension? Like eighty something games. Yeah, I think it's I think it's half the season, so it's what eighty two or eighty one games. Eighty one. Well, I think it was eighty games flat, but yeah, yeah it would so be. Like, I think it was eighty. I think it was eighty. I think, I think he's got what forty the rest of the way, and they'll be out for forty next year too. Playoffs don't count then. Huh? No, playoffs don't count. So he's out for the season. Yeah, he's definitely out for this season, for sure. He'll yeah. be sitting out the beginning of next year as well. Yeah. And the thing is, I think it's such a blow to baseball because they're looking for faces like that to come over and re-energize the league. They need those new players that bring life to a stadium because it's always being touted as the old game that's too slow and no fun. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They need to grow the game any way they can get. And guys like Tatis that were just on the cover of the video game that your young crowd is playing, you know, and then this comes up and they're, you know what I mean, like the MLB basically i mean there's a lot of shit going on with the nfl and like the mlb kind of in the nhl and nba they have their each individual shit going on but um the mlb like with their situation with stuff like this they're obviously steroids are the one thing that they definitely put the hammer down on and with his statement obviously just kind of being like a i don't know i didn't necessarily like how tatis handled the whole situation and i don't think the league necessarily did either so um Mackie, I don't know about you, but he he was definitely set up to be the face of the of uh, the MLB. I mean, everyone was talking about him coming up, but this and is in San second, Diego too. Like that's such ex- a sick team. Like a big- team coming up, like on the come up with Manny Machado. You know that 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 roster is stacked now, so he was set up for that spot. But I mean, this is the second time in three years that he's had a he's had something happen like this. So I, I 
he's it like makes, he's. It makes you think uh, how bad the MLB feels not taking um, Otani over Tatis for the face of their league. But I think they could kind of play off of the fact that Tatis already had a following from his father before, so you can catch both generations with that one star. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a really good point. All right, that's going to wrap up our MLB chat for the night. Some pretty good stuff coming out of the MLB. I'm very excited for MLB playoffs coming here. Like we always say, that month of October is jam-packed with you know, the start of the NHL, NFL's in full motion, MLB playoffs, lots of good stuff. Let's jump into some NHL. EA Sports announced that Ducks superstar Trevor Zegras will be on the cover of this year's NHL 23. Lots of big features in this new NHL that they keep talking about. What do you guys think? I'm still, obviously, we'll, with the cover athlete being Zegras, I'm a little bit surprised. I thought they were going to go with uh, a route of like a Kale McCarr or a McKinnon after the cup run. Um, but seeing a guy like Zegras and Anaheim with a – well, it's actually a dual cover with uh, Darnell Nurse's sister, Sarah Nurse. She's on the, what, U.S. Women's National Team? Ace yeah, she's pretty sick. Yeah, she's supposedly pretty gross, but – at least she's on um, Team Canada. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, she is fan Team Canada. She is Team Canada. Is she Team Canada? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the cover art. Like, I don't want to see Zegers wearing shorts and Vans on the cover of a hockey video game. Like, I agree. Rather, I want to see them like the normal covers, like on the ice. Like, that's why I thought they were going to do Macar. Give him the fucking Con Smythe. Give him the cup. That would have been a sick cover. I completely disagree, actually. I think that the NHL is going in the right direction. We actually just touched on this with the MLB when we were talking about Fernando Tatis. I think that these leagues are trying to break out of the norm. The MLB, the NHL, these players are, players are seen as like the boring, um, the boring like regular guys. Jesse, what do you have to say about that? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not arguing with you that it's like an interesting way for them to go, but I love the classic. Oh, I also love the classic, don't get me wrong, but you have to think about what their marketing campaign is here. They're trying to reach a whole new demographic. You bring Trevor onto this onto the scene with his three-inch inseam, the island boy. You get some women's hockey in the game that's starting to grow a lot. They're trying to touch a lot of new people. They're trying to get new new voices, new minds into the game and just see where they can take it from there. I think they're trying to follow along with the Tatis, some flair and life into the league. You don't see them in the media much, NHL players. So I think that's how they're trying to jump in, huh? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, kind of leading back to what you said, I kind of was looking more at, like, the aspect that they're not, like, wearing the hockey gear. I, I see what you're saying with the new, like, demographic, and I think that's why they went with a guy like uh, guy like Zegras to reach that younger market and kind of get the maybe the sales back up. So uh, I don't know. I, think, I don't necessarily think NHL has been – the highest rated sports video game over the past couple of years. I know 2K absolutely kills sales out of the like the four major sport video games. I think it goes 2K, Madden, NHL, the show. I could be wrong on that. I just don't think too many people play the MLB video games. I don't know if you do, Ace, do you? I do a little bit. The cool thing was when MLB broke out the show onto all platforms, it was yeah. generally Because you couldn't even – yeah, you're an Xbox guy. You couldn't even play it for a yeah. while. Yeah, and the cool thing is right when it came out, they put it right on the Game Pass. So that's another way that I think they can get this out there more. Instead of dropping that $6 price, that's more on EA Sports than the NHL. Um, you can just get it out there easier to access. But like I said, things like that, bringing in um, Sarah Nurse, bringing in Trevor Zagros, these are new minds, new voices to the game, new bodies. Like These are young people you can build around as well. 
And I think it goes along with the whole new NHL system they're trying to generate in the game. It's all about stick handling and deking and fancy play. And that's what Trevor Zegers uh, excels in. Yeah, good stuff. I'm really excited for NHL 23. I keep seeing tons of different new features and things that they're adding as they do every year with all the sports or with a lot of the sports games. So really excited for that. That's what I wanted to add. I know you saw my tweet. I'm still waiting for them to add like pond hockey or street hockey, like NBA blacktop style where you can pick like three on three. Yeah, they they kind of have that. They kind of have that. You can't go full full mode and select exactly who you want. Um, They have the outdoor rinks. They have like the barn. If you go into the world of Chell especially, that's where you can do more things like that. Um, But yeah, that you can't pick your full lineup you can pick from a team's lineup so I, the best closer you could go is like all-star teams and then play three exactly the ball ball hockey would be sick i think i would I agree just, deck hockey and ball hockey that'd be sweet i like the cross platform i'm still pissed they don't have connected franchise mode back because we can't do that in nhl i think that'd be cooler than madden because you have to dig so deep in nhl there's so many games yeah that'd be awesome like the roster you'd have to find like because you'd want youth too, you know. Like you guys don't play connected franchise like the way I do on Madden. You two would both love it. It's fucking sick. I know I would. I just I never would. have enough people to play with. You develop the teams. Like we have thirty-two full users through the Discord. It's cracked. Like a website. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's you you play advance every forty-eight hours. So you have two days to play one game. Like usually you can find time to schedule a game. It's like forty minutes, right? Yeah. Like, I had Trey Lance in year six. He's up to, like, a 96 X-Factor. It's cool to develop that. But you got to manage the contracts and all that, free agency. It's pretty cool. That See, like, awesome. I hate, that's what I don't like when I play, like, franchise mode. I'm like, I don't want to sign my assistant coaches and shit. Yeah, but the other thing is, though, you're also playing against computers. If it's full user all around, you can trade with, like, other people. So it's yeah. realistic. Yeah. Free agency is crazy. The draft is cool, too. Trading draft picks. Yeah, that is cool. Dang, yeah, lots of good stuff out of the new NHL game. Ready for that. Next up, we got Phil the Thrill Kessel has signed a new deal, keeping his talents out west with a one-year, $1.5 million deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. I found this quite interesting to see him sign another one-year deal here out in the west. What do you guys got? Yeah, pretty – I mean, he's still pretty skilled in the NHL. I mean, he showed that he could put up points in Arizona even on a pretty young team. Uh, they had their moments last year, and they had their per- couple pretty big wins. I was betting them a couple games last year, but uh, yeah, happy to see him go to a team that's definitely on the up and coming with the the Bruins coach. What's his name? Ace Bruce Cassidy. Yeah, I, I think, think he'll do that. Bruce Cassidy's one of the better coaches in the NHL. The funny thing is, the uh, the Boston Bruins organization roster didn't like playing for him. He's one of those old school coaches. And I think yeah. Tessel really fits that mold. It's another reason to go there. He's an older player. He's used to this style of coaching. But Phil Kessel can't thrive any more than he could in the Vegas Golden Knights organization. Um, he's he's going to slide right in, power play two guy potentially, line three, line four guy, mix in, give him some depth scoring. And at a $1.5 million cap hit, that's, that's pretty free for the Golden Knights. Why not take a flyer on a prolific goal scorer like that? Absolutely. I, the funny thing is I actually just bought his jersey out in Arizona. So it looks like I'm going to have to buy another one. A two-time cup champ. Right. Yeah, good guy. I like Phil a lot. And with that, we have the Pittsburgh Penguins have agreed to a three-year contract extension with their head coach, Mike Sullivan. The deal will run through the 2026-2027 NHL season. Pretty good news here, Huff. What do you think about this signing for the Pens in the head coach position? 
Yeah, absolutely no complaint coming from me with this guy's done to the team since he's gotten here. Uh, playoffs every year, two cups, you know, I mean, contenders year in and year out. Uh, it's looking like maybe the last dance is coming up soon this year, next year, but um, I, that's what I wanted to happen. I'm not ready to rebuild. When you got guys like Sid, Malk, and Latang, and like Ace, I know I was chirping you, you bring the same team back and expect a different result. It's like the thing with us has been goaltending every year with the playoffs. You look two years back, Jari shit the bed against the Islanders, and you look last year, and it was Louis Domingue against Shesterkin in the first round, and we took him seven games. So it's like we just have – it's for – the Penguins, it's been the it's been the goaltending, and I think you get that. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to get a completely different result, but I mean, I'll hand it over to you and see what you have to say on this. But yeah, it's kind of obviously I have no complaints with the re-signing of Sullivan. Yeah, um, that talk on Twitter is just what it is. Twitter banter. It's not Absolutely. true. I hear that those trips thrown at me a lot, so it's nice to deflect them the other way. Um, I actually like bringing in that big core, and I like Mike Sullivan being the one to lead that. We've seen him do it plenty of times before with this Penguins roster. He's gone through a controlled rebuild where you're really rebuilding your secondary scoring and depth and getting ready for the future whilst keeping your top lines intact. I like keeping Crosby and Malkin. That solidifies your top two center roles, probably the most important position on the team. He's done a good job with the young talent. I like Marino. I like Gensel. I like other guys. Marino's a devil. Oh, he is? I thought they were going to sign him long. We traded Marino at the draft. It was kind of random. What did they get for him? some other defenseman, Ty Smith. Uh, Ty Smith like is pretty good round pick. Yeah. They probably didn't pay – the thing is they probably had to pay Marino and you pay, paid Latang, Malkin, and Crosby, which I'm fine with. I know that Marino probably gives you a better future, but they're looking to win right now. Like, you have the best player arguably ever in the history of the NHL. Why not give him all he can while he's still there? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right with that seven-game series. They are right there. Um Obviously, as long as you can get into the big dance, anybody can win. We've seen the NHL. It's the hardest the NHL, to win yeah. sports. So, Mike Sullivan's done it before. He knows what he's got with his top guys. I think Crosby and the other brass in Pittsburgh agrees with having him lead the way. So, just fixes it fits perfectly. Why not give it three more years with that core? Couldn't have said it better myself. Good stuff there, boys. Yeah, I'm super excited for the NHL season. It's coming up here shortly, about a month away. That's going to do it for our NHL chat today. Let's jump into some quick NBA, some more Kevin Durant talk. He announced Tuesday that he's removing his trade request and will start the season as a member of the Brooklyn Nets along Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Do we see this as a surprise, boys? Ace starts off. Uh, Definitely don't see it as a surprise. Prize. He was under team control, and the only way he was getting out is if the Brooklyn Nets moved him. If you're the Brooklyn Nets, you brought in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You want to see them play out that contract, I think. I think they were right there in the hunt, and Kyrie Irving barely played half the year. You get them getting a full offseason together. You bring in Ben Simmons. Kevin Durant just likes to talk. We see it on Twitter. We see it all over social media with every team he's ever been on. That's all he does is talk. He just wants to be known. He wants people talking about Kevin Durant. But when it comes down to it, what does he do? He just plays basketball. He always shows up and plays. The Nets knew he was going to do that either way. So I think if this is a blow-up situation, you see him or Kyrie or Simmons doing something early on, then maybe at the deadline, then you deal them. But from the beginning of the year, with this much talent on your roster, why not come in, see if we can make it work, and get rolling? That's the way I look at it. Did, did you ever think it was realistic he was coming to Boston? Not at all. Not at all. The the Celtics have a lot of their 
stars under contract for many years. I don't know why you'd blow that up now for the short term. And Kevin Durant is so unpredictable, too. You don't want to blow up the chemistry. We tried it with Kyrie Irving. You saw that a few years ago. Yeah. You know. And the thing with him coming to Boston, my, at least what me and Mackie were talking about the whole time, was they wanted Jalen Brown. And it's like Boston worked so hard for that core and that mentality and the chemistry that they built up and the, obviously that we saw throughout the NBA playoffs this year. Is that something you want to break up with a player like Kevin Durant that's you know, willing to just jump ship at, at any given will? We've seen it with the Thunder now, the Warriors now. Now, obviously, we've had the drama with the Nets all offseason. And it's like, is Boston willing to give up a, you know what I mean, yeah. legitimate one of their stars for a guy that's obviously Kevin Durant no discount to him but like he's gonna make the Celtics better I guess you could say but like me and Mackie were saying if Kevin Durant goes to the Celtics and they don't win the finals it's a bust yeah so that's that's another thing I'd like to say obviously Kevin Durant makes your team better right now how much better is he than Jalen Brown I don't know but let me ask you this question do you think Jalen Brown's hit his peak yet he's close you think yeah him and him and Jason Tatum are close. They're right around that magic age. Was it like 27, 28, 26? 26, 20, 26 to 28 your prime. Yeah, that's NBA. when you hit your prime. They're not even there yet. They're under team control with good deals. I would like to see them grow. They were one series away from lifting that trophy, right? Against the best three-point. It took the best three-point shooter of all time, probably the best trio of all time, um, one of them at least, to knock yeah. them out, right? They handled Giannis. They handled Durant and Irving. They showed they showcased that they have what it takes. I think that team got better in the offseason with the additions. I don't know if you've seen what the Celtics have done. I know Gallinari just tore his ACL, but they have a lot of a lot of pieces on that roster. So I think they can get to that next level. They're literally right there against Steph Curry, one of the best players of all time. That's the only reason they lost. I don't think you need to blow up this team. I think you run it back a year older, a little bit more experience under your belt. I think they're right there. Absolutely. That was my that was my logic on the whole thing. I was rooting for that Celtics team. I bet I bet that sweep. Uh, there was one game me and Mackie said, there. I think it was game four, we were like, there's no way they get swept. And then I lot bet Boston because I was like, they're going to sweep them. Yeah. yeah the, the way it goes, though, is um, like the Celtics are just too young in the finals. That 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 Warriors team was just the Warriors team was just too good. But the Nets, you're right. The sweep, I could see that coming. With Kyrie Irving taking the year off, they just weren't invested. That team wasn't ready to go last year. Um, yeah, See, like me and Mackie were saying, you can never count out this team, though. Like we said, KD, Ben Simmons, if Ben Simmons comes back, and Kyrie. Yeah. Kyrie Irving was almost a uh, all-star, NBA top two all-team or whatever it is, only playing 26 games or something last year, whatever he played. Yeah, it was insane. You get him playing a full season with Ben Simmons healthy. I, I've always liked Ben Simmons. I know that he can be a cancer, but hey, let's get all three cancers, throw him in a locker room, and let's see what comes out. Why not? Yeah, and another big move in the East. Obviously, Kevin Durant staying put, but we see Donovan Mitchell landing with the Cavs. Um, I don't know necessarily what got sent back. I know uh, Sexton went to the Jazz. I don't know about picks, but Lori Markinen. Uh, yeah, Markinen. But Mitchell lands in Cleveland. Him and Darius Garland. What do you think they can do? Make any noise in the East? Uh, Jesse, you take this one first. Got what the picks were. Three unprotected first-round picks, 2025, 2027, and 2029. The rights to two pick swaps, 2026 and 2028. Lori Markkanen, Colin Saxton, and Agabi Abaji. Agabji, I can't say that. Abaji, that's the dude that was on Kansas last year. Yeah, so as you can see, the Cavs really are all in on this team with Mobley, Garland, Allen, Love. 
Um, now Mitchell comes in. Um, they have a good I th- core. I think it's a great move by the Jazz. They, we knew they were shopping John Donovan Mitchell, right? I think this is yeah. the biggest haul you could get. You get Sexton. He's already a proved player. Um, you just talked about the kid from Kansas. That's another piece you have. All of the picks and pick swaps gives you a lot of flexibility. Good cap with these contracts, too. Markin is another uh, elite player. We saw him play. Not elite, but he, he has the potential to be an elite player. We saw that in Chicago. Um, I think you have a lot of pieces here. You're opening up cap, and you're getting a lot for one player. Mitchell, let's go see what you can do with the Cavs. But that East is loaded, like we said. Before, it's been a West-dominated league. But now that East is so loaded, you have the Sixers, the Celtics, the Bucks, the Nets, the Hawks, the Bulls. Um, I think they're right on that level with the Hornets and Hawks. But they could still make some noise and upset a good team in a series late in the year. I think this move makes them better than Atlanta. Hmm. I'd take Trey Young over Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell. But I like the I like the Cavs starting five more than I like Atlanta's. Atlanta for Atlanta to be a legit contender this year, John Collins needs to make a big step, and Dejounte Murray needs to come in either off the bench and be a stud six man of the year, or if they're going to put him at the two spot, I don't necessarily know what they're going to do with him, but I do think Dejounte Murray going to Atlanta made them a lot better. I think that Atlanta roster is a lot deeper. Dejounte Murray is a great move. Um, I don't They're know a young team that's played together for a while. I don't know if somebody can pull up their full roster now, but I know they had the likes of what Lou Williams, Kevin Huerter, um, yeah, Clint Capella. So they have bodies coming off the bench. Do they still have those other guys? Do they have DeAndre Hunter and, and names like that? Who are those young? Hunter's guys? still there. DeAndre Hunter's still there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They have, Reddish, they have Bogdanovich still too. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot Reddish, of names. Reddish got traded. You took the Hawks and the Cavs. This is where you might see them play is in one of those playing games. So. In a one-game series, yes, the Cavs could take him. I do like Jared Allen a lot. I think he's one of the most underrated stars in the league, and you have a leader like Kevin Love stepping in with all this young talent around you. But the Hawks have been there and done that. I would take the Hawks over the Cavs. Um, I think the depth and their experience is there. But it's nice to see the Cavs back in the conversation of, hey, they might make some noise. I don't think they're a top team, but I think they're a playoff team for sure. They're definitely that Tier 2, Tier 3 team in the NBA. Yep, you'll see them in the eight to ten, seven to ten, whatever it is, playing tournament. They'll make a play. They'll make a playoff. They'll you, make the playoffs. Is your they won't win all the ball going to knock them out in that playing tournament? No. See, like they have a better roster than Houston or than Houston than the Hornets. But we're just talking about mids here. It could go either way, yeah. and then they're going to get knocked yeah. out by one of the contenders. Yeah, it depends who guys home court there. Right. I don't think the Donovan Mitchell move puts them over the top. It just gets them no. into the playoff conversation. I mean, there's a reason that the Jazz never made it as far as they should have. Right. Don't even get me started on that team. There's so much wrong with it. Yeah, I'm not a big. I'm not real big on them, but we'll save that for the NBA season. Let's stay with the Jazz, and the uh, the Los Angeles Lakers have acquired guard Patrick Beverly from the Jazz in exchange for Talon Hornet Tucker and Stanley Johnson. Sources tell ESPN. Hoff, you want to rip this one? Yeah, I'm obviously I'm a LeBron Laker guy, but I'm not the biggest Pat Beverly guy, and I'm not a huge fan of what they're doing with this Lakers roster. Um, just bringing in veterans around everyone, and they're trading away guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, who I thought came off the bench for them and put up valuable points for them in certain points of games in last season. And um, I don't know, I'd like to see guys like that stick around. Stanley Johnson, another young player that was doing pretty well. I believe he started his career up in Detroit and ended up in uh, – LA through a trade, but getting guys like this for Patrick Beverly, I'm just, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of this. And like 
you have Westbrook and like they're I know they're kind of set on sending him out and like people are talking about with the addition of Beverly, Westbrook's going to be on his way out. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Lakers. Um, I think you're the a lot of people are considering that they could give Westbrook kind of like what they gave John Wall last year. You know what I mean? Where they uh, basically just paid him to stay home and said we don't really need you right now. It's like. How can you do that to a player like Russell Westbrook? I know he's not. I know it's not working out in LA, and I'm not the biggest Russ guy, but there's teams that would trade for him, and you know what I mean, could use him absolutely. But Ace, I don't know what you got to say on this. Go ahead. You actually made a lot of good points. I'd like to respond to there. Um, the Lakers are a very interesting team to look at. Yes, they keep getting older, and everybody's like, "Why it didn't it work last year?" But I think LeBron wants to run it back one more time with this group. They didn't really reach their full potential. An injured. They were Anthony- so hurt. An injured Anthony Davis killed you. I think Russell Westbrook with another year under his belt playing so bad poorly last year, I think he has a potential to step it up. He's one of the best players in the NBA when he's on his game. Um, Pat Beverly, not the biggest fan of him. Coming off the bench for some depth with defense is nice. He shoots the three ball a lot better than expected. I think he's around 34% for his career. Um, yeah, it's like a playoff mentality thing. For yeah, him, but, in my opinion. but like you said, I wouldn't go in this direction. Um, I'm actually not bad – Dealing Town Horton Tucker for him. I think his value was at a sky high a year ago. Um, I think his value has only declined over last year. I never thought he was a big talent. He kind of burst onto the scene a year or two ago and showcased stuff, but he wasn't even a highly touted draft prospect. So I'm fine with that move. Stanley Johnson, same thing, hasn't shown too, too much. Um, and you know LeBron's there. They're going to win now. They don't care about the future. We've seen them blow up this roster time and time again. And if it doesn't work, then I think you see a complete full rebuild around the deadline and you move Westbrook and see what you can bring in. But I, I think they're going to run it back one more time. Um, Pat Bev, not going to push him over the top. I think he might have gotten a better deal in the uh, booth. I like to see him on the TV. I think he does more there than he does on the court. But he's going to be talking either way, so it'll be interesting to see. Absolutely. Yeah, I think lots of good stuff coming out of the NBA. Obviously, we're kind of in the the midst of the offseason. The NBA drama never kind of dies off, but not necessarily too much coming right now. So stay tuned. As Like we said, a lot of interesting lineups coming in, what's going to be happening over the next couple of weeks with some of these teams. So uh, week in and week out, I know we're getting into the thick of the NFL season with that getting going next week, but uh, definitely going to stay around in the NBA and NHL whenever uh, we see headlines, we'll be bringing them to you. So. Uh, Jesse, I'll hand things back off to you to get into the NFL. Yeah, you said it, Huff. Nothing more out of the NBA. NFL next. Derwin James signs a four-year, $76.4 million deal with the Los Angeles Chargers, making him the highest-paid safety in the NFL. Ace, what do you think about this move for the Chargers? Love hearing us talk about some football. Derwin James, love hearing that name. My favorite time of the year, so let's get right into it with uh, some football, but that Chargers defense, we've heard about it all summer, getting bolstered with the likes of Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. You have Joey Bosa. You have Kenneth Murray. You have Kaiser White. You have all of these big names on defense, and now you get probably the best safety in the league in Derwin James Jr. ready to go. Give him the bag, and let's make a run right now under Herbie's reign. I think uh, they went, they want this defense to be one of the top top units, your leader. you got to make him happy and make sure everybody stays together and rallies around them and is ready to go. I think it's a good payment by the Chargers, but they need to win within that term or else it's going to look bad on them. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of like what you said. The team is in a win-now state. Um, you have the young quarterback under the rookie deal, not necessarily having to pay him right now. You can pay a lot of guys in the defense like we've seen, bring in Khalil, re-sign Derwin James, bring in J.C. Jackson, all the names that you just listed. 
Uh, so like you said, Chargers are in a win now uh, mode mentality, I guess you would say. And um, I've I've been pretty adamant with my standpoint on Brandon Staley. I don't necessarily think he's the coach to get it done, but it's a tough AFC. We're gonna have to see what the Chargers can do. They got a tough. They're in the hardest division, let alone the a tough conference. Yeah, they're going to be, have to be reigning in the likes of uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and uh, the new Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, three-headed monster. So I think you might want to bolster up that defense. And when we talk about who's going to win that division, you're going to be looking at all these prolific offenses. Yes, they can all score, but who can stop them from scoring? And this unit, led by Derwin James Jr., is the top unit in the AFC West. Absolutely. Solid move there by the Chargers signing Derwin James. Let's move into some uh, some starters talk. A couple of the teams that were having quarterback battles throughout the training camps have named their starters, one of them being the Seattle Seahawks naming Geno Smith their starter, Carolina Panthers naming Baker Mayfield their first quarterback. What do we think about this, Huff? Yeah, I think a lot of us, or a lot of people, obviously they kind of knew the Carolina situation when Baker got there, not necessarily them being too high on Sam Darnold and what he's done in his career in Carolina, but bringing in Baker, it's a new look offense. You get McCaffrey back off injury. Um, They bring in a guy we'll talk about in a second, LaVisca Chenault from Jacksonville, a nice wide receiver. They got DJ Moore. Um, They have a nice defense in Carolina. I think good things could come out of this team. but as far as Baker, I'm not too surprised to see him starting, and I'm very hyped to see the West Virginia Mountaineer, Geno, starting up in the Pacific Northwest, taking over for. I guess I have to stay a Seahawks fan for another year with going from Geno or going from Russ to Geno. But Ace, I'll hand things off to you. What do you got to say on these two quarterbacks being named starters? Definitely love uh, Geno Smith, Hale Dub V, but that Seahawks team is nothing to talk about. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. I'm getting sick talking about it right now. Um, Baker Mayfield, on the other hand, I think he's that guy. He got locked out of the Cleveland Brown Stadium where he lived. You saw it on the commercial all the time, but he found yeah, you saw that he couldn't. They didn't. They locked him out. He couldn't find his keys. Yeah, he found a new home in Carolina, though. I wouldn't mind moving from North Carolina from Cleveland. I mean, where would you rather live? Tell me right now. (laughs) But uh, you look at those weapons around Baker Mayfield: a healthy Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, um, other playmakers. They have some young receivers on the outside. You have the speedy Robbie Anderson. Um, I think they took Terrence Marshall Jr., right? They have him. He's their three. So they have bodies there. You have Chuba Hubbard. Said they, we said they brought in Chenault. Yeah, they brought in Chenault, LaVisca Chenault Jr. I, I forgot about that. That's a great move as well. So Baker Mayfield has better weapons than he's had his whole career in, in Cleveland. He had a downtrodden Odell Beckham Jr., an injured Jarvis Landry, an overrated Austin Hooper. He had the running game, but I think you even upgrade from Nick Chubb here with the, the do-it-all Christian McCaffrey, potentially the most – explosive player in the league um i think they could make a playoff run if not they're going to miss out be between eight and nine wins but baker mayfield is going to showcase he's a starting quarterback in the nfl yeah it's also interesting to see that the carolina panthers invest in all these quarterbacks they drafted matt corral who suffered an injury in camp he was one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. And now you have the number one and number three pick from the 2018 draft on your quarterback roster. This might be one of the most loaded QB rooms in the league, but let's see if any of them actually pan out. Yeah, exactly. They have a lot of potential, but two of the – well, obviously Baker winning a playoff game, obviously the most proven out of the, the three with Corral being the rookie and suffering the season-ending injury. We're going to have to wait till next year to see him. Um but like you said, Darnold and Baker in the same room. It's a former number one and overall three pick. So 
like we said, I think Baker is the better of the two. So I think I think he makes Carolina Carolina bubble playoff team. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree. I mean, so much talent around him. That defense is actually more loaded than the offense too. Uh, you have Brian Burns. Uh, you have who else is back there? That secondary is a lot of speed. I know they're really young, like Jeremy Chin. J.C. Horn. Yeah, exactly. They have a lot of potential, though, so I'd like to see it. It's a pretty weak NFC. It's the weaker conference this year. Um, one of the weaker divisions, you have a Brady coming out, out late. You have Jameis Winston with no more Sean Payton, New Orleans, and a lot of more. The way the, the, way the Panthers' schedule works out, they can start out hot. Yeah, I could see that. Someone's going to steal a playoff spot at 9-8, and 8-9, eight, eight, and, and it might be them. They could be battling with like whoever's in second place in the NFC East. Eagles. Eagles or Cowboys, whoever's whoever has nine wins. Yep. And then your third team from the NFC West will be right there with them. Yep. Just because they got beat up in the division. I like that. All righty. And next, the Dallas Cowboys left tackle Tyron Smith has suffered a torn left hamstring during practice on Wednesday that'll keep him out indefinitely. This could cost him most of the 2022 NFL season. Bad news here for the Dallas Cowboys and Tyron Smith. Ace, what do you think? I still think the Dallas Cowboys are the number one team in the NFC least. I mean, they have nobody else out there to compete with. Yes, the Eagles bolstered that that roster on both sides, but we've seen these Cowboys suffer injuries on that O-line for years. Last year, they were depleted. The year before, they lost Jack. I mean, they go through injuries, and they always have a next-man-up mentality. I know they they fold when it comes to playoff time, but look for them to still excel in the regular season. I think they have one of the weakest schedules in the league this year. It makes sense if you play six divisional games that you should be favored in. I know that that Eagles team, like I said again, a lot of hype around them. I think there's enough talent. Dak Prescott, he's a mobile quarterback. He might be able to make up for it. Um, the only person I think this could hurt a lot would be Ezekiel Elliott and lose some strength in that block in the O-line. He's been regressing his whole career. But I still think it's time to uh, take Dallas seriously and let them win that division again. I mean, at plus odds, too, that's crazy. Um, I think the odds probably got even better. I don't know if anybody's checked that. They were at 120 a while ago, but I think they might be higher now, closer to 200 without their starting left tackle. Yeah, I'm not really too high on Dallas this year. Um, I think it's going to be very dependent on what guys like Zeke can do. I know they have the weapons in uh, C.D. Lamb, Dak, another year with Dak back. But Dak, C.D., they need guys like – I think they lost Gallup. It's going to be questionable when he's coming back. I think he's sitting around like the midseason uh, comeback. But they do have the studs on the defensive side of the ball, Micah Parsons, um, Trayvon Diggs, just to say the two big names. But – yeah, I think a lot of good things are coming out of uh, Dallas, but it's going to be interesting to see if they can make the playoffs. But you hate to see your number one left tackle go down in the preseason. Yeah, like you said, they also have some depth, though. Like, they have guys that were playing last year on that line. On the defense, too, you mentioned Parsons and Diggs. Can't forget them. But you have names like Leighton Vander Esch, Anthony Brown, Kelvin Joseph, Malik Hooker. I mean, there's this defense is a lot better than we recently saw in previous years from Dallas. Um, I also like the draft pick of Jalen Tolbert. I think Tony Pollard really comes on. So your depth is going to rise. Love Pollard. I was waiting for you to say I like Pollard, but you were talking defense, and I really like him on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. Jalen Tolbert at wide receiver three um, behind Gallup and Lamb. We know Gallup and Lamb are established receivers, and they're going to make that next step, I think, into a top 20 
top 15 spot. I think Lamb, this is the year he goes top 10. We all thought it was him coming out of college. It's a little bit slower, kind of regressed by uh, the Dak injury and Amari Cooper being there. But now he's the guy. I think Lamb takes the next jump to top 10. And I also like Dalton Schultz. I think they still have Blake Jarwin. They have good tight ends in that room. And they also still have a lot of strength on that offensive line. I know you lose a big piece. It's a team team that's been together. So it's like you can't count them out in a weak division. Dak Prescott, former MVP candidate. Let's see if he does that this year. He'd have to do it um, on his own without the left tackle now and without Amari Cooper. So maybe he gets his respect if he can put it together year long. Yeah, we'll have to see. I think the Eagles come out on top in that division, but that's going to be interesting. Good stuff. The Washington Commanders star defensive end Chase Young was placed on the reserve or players unable to play list. This means that Young will miss at least the first four games of the season. Big loss here for the Commanders. Ace, what do you think? Can you come at me with that again? Sorry, I was trying to pull up the headlines. Yeah, um... Ace, you think this is a big loss for the Commanders? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Chase Young is definitely a defensive player of the year candidate. I think uh, some of the people had them picked to be that or comeback player of the year. And him missing any more time is even nerve-wracking, too. He's such a young guy in his career, another injury here. It's like, oh, God, you see these freak athletes, someone like J.J. Watt that's had their careers hindered by injuries. I mean, whenever he's on the field, we know he's a game-breaker, best player out there. But without him, this this weak team is going to take a big blow. Yeah, I'm a, I'm big on Chase Young. I think the past couple of years, the, the up-and-coming of that Washington defense has been kind of centered around the addition to him with the number two overall pick right behind Burrow. And – um, you got guys like him, Sweat, Payne. Um, they got studs all around the defensive side of the ball. I think they were a little hyped up last year with all the injuries they had, but um, it's going to be interesting to see this another team in the NFC. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do with a uh, guy like Carson Wentz, uh, who has been there, done that, just hasn't done it over the past couple of years. I'm not necessarily too high on him, but um, Washington is another very interesting situation. They locked up a guy like Terry McLaurin. They have, like we said, guys on the offensive side of the ball, Antonio Gibson. You know, I can't, I'm kind of drawing a blank on a couple of their other receivers, but it's going to be interesting to see if they can get it done. Weak division, again, weak division. Yeah, some people pick them uh, to finish as like one of those wild card teams we were talking about. But I think if you're missing Chase Young for even one week, that could hurt your problems because you're, every game matters for Washington, right? When they made the playoffs two years ago, it was low seed they had to play the bucks yeah they played him tough with heineke but you have carson wentz coming in off injury i don't know how he's well he's always injured i should say but out, out of the colts he's he's nothing too special i know they have dotson mclaurin um the young running back they brought in brian robinson jr got shot in the legs so that's another blow to this offense um antonio gibson's fumble issues and without someone like chase young you remember him scoring touchdowns for them in that big playoff run the commanders had when they were the washington football team two years ago and I think without him, who else is going to do that? Who else is that guy for that team? Yeah, I agree. And we might as well just close out the rest of the injury news in the NFC East. Yeah, the New York Giants rookie defensive end Kayvon Thibodeau expected to be out for three to four weeks after initial tests reveal a sprained MCL. Giants are still hopeful that he can be ready for a week one matchup against the Tennessee Titans. Defensive end for the Giants. Big loss here for Giants. What do you think, Huff? 
yeah, rookie coming in with I forget what pick they took him with, but it was a very high pick. What was it fifth ace? Eighth? They had the fifth and eighth, or they had two picks in the top ten. I think it was fifth. Um, yeah, but obviously you don't want to lose your first round pick this early, but definitely let them get back. Obviously the Giants, not too much coming out of the Giants uh, kind of expectations this year. So, um, but definitely a stud on the defensive side of the ball and someone that the Giants are going to be wanting to have on their roster and on the field over the next couple uh, years, let alone this season. So definitely hope he gets back to 100% quickly by, they said, hopefully week one, but um, we'll have to wait and see. Definitely a big miss for this Giants team that is looking to improve upon these poor seasons they've had. Take him at fifth overall. You were hoping he could step right onto the field and be a game changer, game breaker. They need somebody that's going to do that. I mean, regardless if he's playing or not, I'd like to check in a few days before that first game. You know he's the fifth overall pick. He's going to want to go, but this organization might hold him out to make sure he stays healthy. Regardless, I don't think this is his year. The NFC... East is terrible, and the Giants are the worst team in it. I think they can finish in the bottom two of the whole league with the Bears this year. Um, not high on them at all, so I would I would play it safe with Thibodeau. Hopefully he makes it back for week one. We'll check in on that, like he said. San Francisco 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo have agreed to terms on a reworked contract for the 2022 season. The deal is a one-year contract worth $6.5 million. Hoff, take this one. Or Matt Ace, take this one away. Yeah, so I think those reports that came out the last few days about Shanahan wanting to take uh, Brady and Mac Jones really makes this more important because he finally gets someone he actually believes in in Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, a lot of people love Trey Lance. He has MVP potential, but we truly don't know what he's going to look like. He didn't even play at the top level in college. I know his skills are off the charts. But it takes a lot more than that to be a successful NFL quarterback. We've seen that with Jimmy Garoppolo. He hasn't even played great, but he game manages to get them to the right spot. They've been to the Super Bowl and NFC Championship twice during his tenure. So I don't know. He has some safety net with Garoppolo, but he spent a lot of money to make him the highest paid backup quarterback in the league. But this shows you that Shanahan really trusts this type of quarterback, a pocket passer, game manager, over a prolific Trey Lance. So if he comes in and he can't be that guy, then Jimmy Garoppolo is going to step in and fulfill the role that he had the last three years. Yeah, and back to what you said, obviously everyone's talking very high on Trey Lance and they kind of just solidified that uh, if things do, if shit does kind of hit the fan with the 49ers offense with Trey Lance, they're not scared to pull the plug on it and go straight back to what's worked and what's got them to the NFC Championship game the past two years. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo catches a lot of hate, but he's been pretty successful. He has the Super Bowl rings for experience to prove from it. Yeah, he didn't get them himself, but he was there with the best quarterback of all time, learned a lot from him, brought this offense, this team to the Super Bowl, to the NFC Championship, where they were one dropped interception away from going back again last year. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo shows he has what it takes. He has the ice in his veins. He might not be the best quarterback, but he can get you where you need to be. This roster is so good that someone like Trey Lance might try and do too much, and it might not work out. You bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, he plays safe, he plays slow, and he plays in the Kyle Shanahan's offense. So, I don't know. Maybe Shanahan has his, uh, has his guy waiting in the wings in case like, Trey Lance isn't that good. Yeah, I, I, I didn't really – I necessarily didn't think he was going to go anywhere, so this didn't surprise me too much. But, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how Trey Lance works out and what this ends up looking like later on down the road. I'm also pretty excited to see the usage of Debo Samuel. We've heard a lot of rhetoric over the offseason about 
him not wanting to play in that running back role to have longevity. But I think that was just complaining to get a contract. They paid him, and now he said he'll do whatever it takes to win because he truly is a football player, winner. I think yeah. Debo Samuel is one of the best players in the league. So very interesting to see how the, one of the best offensive mind utilizes this roster. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of good things coming from the 49ers. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do. So I'll keep our eyes on them. Yeah, I'm super excited for that QB battle. Definitely keep tabs on that. Staying out west, the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams sit on the Pivot podcast with Ryan Clark, Fred Taylor, and Channing Crowder. He's the best QB to play the game. It was the way he has the Michael Jordan effect. He's going to make you play better. He's going to bring out your best just by being on the field. Good point there by Devontae Adams. Yeah, um, Ace, I don't know if you watched this interview with him and uh, Ryan Clark and all them, so... Um, he was kind of talking about, obviously, Aaron Rodgers um, and kind of the connection that he had with him in Green Bay. So uh, interesting to hear him say this. I think this is kind of a little rebound back from whenever he said it's easy to go in from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer. I think this is kind of his rebound back to kind of kiss Rodgers' ass a little bit. But um, Devontae's a stud. He's the best receiver in the league, in my opinion. But, yeah, that's um, – that's kind of all I had to say on this, so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams is just saving face here, right? Uh, obviously, he doesn't want to – I think the first quote was taken out of context. He's talking up his guy, Derek Carr. He played with them all in college, right? He knows how good Carr can be, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. But it looked like a dig at Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it is at all. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, I think, have a pretty solid relationship, regardless of him leaving. They both know it was in their best interests to do that. Um, so, yeah, he's just saving face here. I think he's ready to roll. He can also cheer on Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Unless they meet in the Super Bowl, there's not too much overlap between Green Bay and Las Vegas. Las Vegas my dark horse, though, um, of the season, of course. Check out the other episodes to hear about that. Yeah, good stuff. Staying in the Sin City, the Raiders released 2021 first-round pick Alex Leatherwood. Leatherwood would be claimed off wa- waivers this Wednesday by the Chicago Bears. Ugh. Jeez, I'm yawning after that pick. That guy has been a nobody in the league for years to come. He's he's not going to make a difference wherever he ends up. And that shows you how bad this Raiders offensive line is, though. They need some help there. That's the only issue with this Raiders team is Derek Carr, not a mobile QB. How is he going to fare behind a weak O-line? Josh McDaniels can do as much as he wants on offense, but the game is won in the trenches. Alex Otherwood, another bad pick by the Raiders, showcasing again. And he's going. And he's going to the Bears. The right. Bears. The Bears. I mean, they're the worst team in the league. They could. Have, they could call it me, and I could come block for Justin Fields. They're getting through either way. Yeah, I don't got too much to say on this. Like you, you kind of hit all the points right on the head with all the Raiders picks over the past couple of years just not working out. And this is another one. One year in, you cut this guy. Like the Raiders roster is stacked, but then you look at their offensive line, and you're like, shit. Yeah. Interesting move there off waivers. Interesting point here. During UFC 278, Dana White said in an interview with Rob Gronkowski that he was in the process of working a deal to bring Brady and Gronk to the Raiders. The deal ultimately fell through because their head coach at the time, John Gruden, was reportedly not interested. I also got another question for you, man. I know when Tom was a free agent about like two, what was it, two, three years ago before uh, he went to Tampa, you gave him a recruiting pitch on why he should join the Vegas Raiders. What went wrong with that recruiting pitch that you gave him? 
So I want to bet. I, I'm the one. I, I I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders, and it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And whoa, all whoa. hell broke loose, man. It, it was crazy and. And, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucs won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal wow. up. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, I, I was never going to tell that story till. Gronk just said it, but uh, and, yeah. And Dana, that is what, exactly what happened, happen. and you just told the story. Wow! Breaking news: wow. You know, <laughs> John Gruden screwed yeah. up. <laughs> going to the right. Well, worked that one the best, <laughs> and I'm glad it did not go through. Really? Yes, I am glad it did not. So you said he was the Raiders that went to win the Super Bowl? Yes. No, I mean it all worked out for the best, man. I'm glad we went to Tampa. Man, it just worked out. I love that place. Yeah, I think we go to Vegas enough already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That, would, that would have been a little dangerous with you playing in Vegas. Oh, hell no. Exactly. I am not glad that, that deal didn't go through. <laughs> All right, Ace, did you see this? Yeah, I did. I love Dana Waite. Great guy, but uh, why are we taking him for a credible source? I mean, it probably is true. Why not? Everybody's trying to court Tom Brady to come. He's the best quarterback of all time. But Dana White giving me my football news, I'll leave that to Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport. Um, that's what I said. I was like, why is Dana White trying to act like he's like some big shot in the NFL? Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. He probably it's probably because he's so tight with Brady Gruden. He's an elite elite person, like a lot of money. Definitely talks to people that sorts or has connections of people that do. But yeah, Brady. I think there was already rumors of him going to the Raiders that year. There was rumors of him going to the Niners. Everybody was trying to figure out. How can I bring in Tom Brady? But then when they actually looked at it, they were like, all right, this might not be the best move. Yeah. So, not no big news there. I mean, Brady was courted by everybody, and he will be again after this season. That's going to wrap up all, we, all the headlines we got in the NFL. Let's jump into our quick college football segment. Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama's football program, has signed a deal securing him with them through 2030. He will turn 79 that year. The contract ends. Jeez. Dude, deserve, dude deserves a blank check. I mean, I know he got like $11.5 million, but um, what he's done for this football program year in and year out, national champ. it's not even like, is this team going to make the playoffs? It's like, is this team going to win the national championship? They're the betting favorite year in and year out. Last year they played a stud Georgia team, and that was a rebuild year for Alabama. Uh, I think what Nick Saban's done for this football program is – you look around uh, all around the country, every college is trying to emulate what Alabama's doing. Um, and hats off to Nick Saban. He's arguably the best, he's arguably the best college coach to ever do it. I agree with you, Huff. You're definitely right. Alabama is always that team. Like we think they're going to win every year. Why not give them the blank check? It's Nick Saban. When you ask the common fan what college football coaches you know, Nick Saban comes to mind every time. I mean, he's he's always producing NFL talent. He's got the recruits. He's got the wins. He's got the pedigrees in the SEC. I mean, what else do you want from him? He's there year in, year out. The only thing that could hurt his legacy is the college football field opening up to 12 teams in the near future. 
I mean, then you could start seeing some upsets from a, le- a lesser team. But right now, he's stacked up against the regular teams that he's handled time and time again. So pay that man his money. If not, somebody else will. Absolutely. Man deserving of what he's given to or deserving back what he's given to that organization. So good stuff there for Nick Saban. Last point here, a sellout crowd of 70,622 for number 17. Pittsburgh's season opener opener against longtime rival West Virginia set a record for the highest attended sports event to be played in Pittsburgh. It's being from Pittsburgh. That's pretty cool. Pretty happy that I was uh, around the stadium for that. Didn't make it into the game, but it's a good time. This is, I've been to countless amounts of Steeler games. We were driving in to town to go to our hotel for this game. It was, dude, we sat on a ramp for an hour and 15 minutes. There was just fucking people walking everywhere. Pitt, West Virginia, Pitt, West Virginia. It was insane. Like Steeler games, it's a lot more civil because everyone's Steeler fans. When you get this and it's like 70% or, you know what I mean, 50-50, even 50 Like, I'm not even going to get into the numbers with what ESPN pulled up. I thought that was hilarious with the 75% WU fans. It definitely was more WU fans in my opinion, but um, I don't know. This was crazy. Compared yeah. to a Steeler game, it was absolutely nuts. That definitely looked like a time as a former Mountaineer, as you all know. Um, I definitely wished I could have been there, but being in Rhode Island, it's kind of far away. So I saw everybody there, and I was living precariously through your stories, Snapchats, videos, and all of that. looked like a time of life. But a point I have to make is even here in Rhode Island, a state that doesn't value college football, I had people texting me, what time is the WVU game? What time is Pitt playing? So ESPN built this up the way they should. The backyard brawl hasn't been around in over 11 years. Bring it back, showcase it, 7 o'clock ESPN, and the people tuned in. We had people of all different backgrounds tuning in saying, wow, look at the Pittsburgh Panthers. They're a pretty good team. West Virginia Mountaineers, they're one of the top teams. I want to start following college football. And the game delivered. A 38-31, I believe, was the final score. They couldn't have had a better game. Yeah, that's a masterpiece right there. Coming down to the final play, overturned with seconds left on the goal line. I mean, what else do you want? Yeah, it didn't work out in our favor, but that was a highlight for the season to start off. Yeah, and um, from both teams' standpoints, I think if you're a Pitt fan, you can look at the new quarterback, Slovis, and say that you know you have a bright offense coming in and with the new offensive coordinator. You look at West Virginia with JT Daniels. I think a lot of good things came out of West Virginia's offense. Um I'll hand things back off to you. I just want to add the two points about the quarterbacks looking pretty well in the game. Like you said, 38-31. I know JT Daniels threw the late pick, but obviously hit right off for, uh, Bryce Ford-Wheaton's hands uh, right into the pit defensive backs. Tough, tough right break for Ford-Wheaton. Yeah, right in his hands. Tough break for him, tough break for Daniels. They both showcased well in, as an underdog in a tough territory. But one of the funny things I'd like to point out again with our different points of view, on the TV you said – it was 75% West Virginia fans, 25% Pitt fans, and it felt like that in the stadium? No, I, I wasn't in the stadium. Yeah, but... I, by the looks of TV, it didn't look like that in the stadium, but outside, it was there was a dominating amount of... That's WB what I was going to say. The TV was only showcasing Pitt fans. I know the West Virginia fans were there, but they were refusing to put them on. But that it, well, that's how they did. That's how they do it. They have, they were showcasing the pit sideline. That's what was on TV. That side of the fans. Yeah. That blue. That blue pops on them yellow seats. Mm-hmm. 
They're bright blue. Oh yeah. The uh, I think ESPN. That was, hates sick, West that was a sick uniform game. To quote Pat, I agree. ESPN hates West Virginia. They did. I mean, they definitely like Pitt more because they have guys like Lewis Riddick and like prominent Pitt alumni in their, you know what I mean, on their roster talking sports. So like you saw fucking Desmond Howard put Pitt in the playoff. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I mean, that running back they had from Pitt, what's his name? Hammond. He's a stud. Yeah, he is a stud. I also like the the true freshman from West Virginia, number 12. What was his name, the running back? I can't think of his name. Yeah, he had a big game. I think he had less than 10 carries for over 100 yards, and he put one or two in the end zone. Let me look it up real yeah, that pick, kid, that pick kid's a stud. They definitely got to, got to run the ball. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do. I don't know uh, what they'll do with the rankings. It'll be definitely interesting to see what happens today if we have any upsets. A couple big games today, Ace. I don't know if you want to talk college football for a couple minutes, but we'll go over just maybe like two or three of the big games. There's definitely uh, Georgia-Oregon, I know, is one of the big ones today. Uh, Georgia's sitting at a 16-and-a-half point spread. You got any interest in that? Georgia at home opening up as the three, uh, the number three overall team. Oregon coming in as 11. Uh, real quick before I get into that, the name I was looking for was C.J. Donaldson. C.J. Donaldson, the running back from West Virginia, true freshman. That's it. That's it. Um, he's actually listed as a tight end, but true freshman, 6'2", 240 out of Miami, Florida. Um, he, has, he has a pretty bright future on the team. They're just looking at He's a playmaker highlight waiting to happen, so they're just trying to figure out how to scheme the ball into his hands, I think. Um, but yeah, like like you said, definitely excited to get in some college football picks this year. Uh, haven't looked too big at the slate. Give me a few of the headlines real quick, and let's run through them quick. There's like two or three games I wanted to just talk yeah, about, let, just like the big. Uh, we got Oregon at Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's eleven at three. Georgia is a sixteen and a half point favorite, a minus seven ten money line over under sitting at fifty four and a half. Uh, and the other game we could get into is number five, Notre Dame is visiting Columbus at Ohio State. Number two, a 15.5-point favorite, uh, minus 820 money line and over-under sitting at 59.5. Yeah, when I hear those two games, the first one that comes to mind is the Notre Dame-Ohio State game. Um, that Georgia game, I'd like to take them with a point sixteen and a half, so very high. But uh, don't know too much coming the week one. You know, they're the defending champs at home. But the other game really does make sense to me. You, I don't know if you guys saw the quote. What's the Notre Dame head coach's name? Freeman. Freeman, yeah. He gave his quote the other day. He was being interviewed, and they told him the spread. He's like, what did you say the spread was? And he heard that. He's like, that's bulletin board material. So I think you can come in and He's been, They've been talking about it all week. Plus 15 and a half, he said? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of points, two touchdowns, especially the way Notre Dame plays football. They play slow. They have a good defense, you know? They won't keep this close. They're a nationally televised team. I mean, they're not going to get blown out in week one. Dude, you can tease Georgia to minus nine and a half, Notre Dame to plus 22 and a half, a two-leg, a two-leg teaser, Georgia plus not, or Georgia minus nine and a half, Notre Dame plus 22 and a half, two-leg teaser plus 100. All right, NCAA football. I'm probably taking that. That's solid. Well, let me look through all the games real quick. Is there anything I like? NC State against ECU. I feel like NC State should blow them out, right? Yeah. I saw them play last year against BC. They were gross. I like how we have a Sunday night game, LSU-Florida State. NC State. 
Why are the Tar Heels underdogs at Appalachian State? Is it because they just... Cause, yeah, they just lost a bunch of people, and App State's actually decent. Um, BC and Rutgers, it's a weird game. Cincinnati is terrible now. Does Arkansas still have Felipe Franks? No way, right? No way, I don't think so. Why is Houston only minus four at UTSA? I like just ripping off a few. I like Utah money line minus one twenty eight. I like Arkansas minus six and a half. Like Old Miss I minus like, twenty one. And I like my teaser. Kentucky minus if you can get Kentucky at minus thirteen and a half, I like that as well. How's Coastal now? I'm not. Sh- I'm not too sure. Same with Liberty since they lost Malik Willis. We've been so focused on preparing for the NFL. I haven't really like done my college football research. No, that's why it's week one. You can't. It's harder to predict than the NFL, though. Yeah, that's. I don't. I don't ever go heavy on the first week no, of either no. one. I'm putting together a fat money line parlay of all the stud teams I like right now. I'm gonna do that for like five bucks just so I can like watch up and go. Oh, I got that. Yeah. Oh, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your pick for the national championship? Ooh. Off the dome? Off the dome. Hmm. Give me a second. Let me finish looking at this slate and I'll give it to you. I'm almost done. I'll rip through the odds while you're doing that, all right? All right. So, on FanDuel, I'm looking at the top call, or the top odds of win the national championship college football. Alabama is sitting at the favorite at plus 180. Ohio State coming oh, in at, second at, plus, at plus 300. Georgia at plus 350. Clemson plus eight hundred, USC plus two thousand. What's Texas A and M? Plus twenty five hundred, sitting at the sixth spot. I like Texas A and M. Texas A and M. Um. Yeah, I just didn't want to be easy and say Alabama. You know. Yeah, I'm gonna say Alabama. I just think another you mean non Alabama pick then. I think he's legit, huh? Give a non Alabama pick then. USC. Yeah. Yeah, I saw them play. I like, I like the addition of Jordan Addison. Um, Did they already play? US... Huh? Did they play already last week? No, they didn't play last week. All right, this is minus 149. I'm taking this. Like, what? The, the lowest odds I have is Iowa money line against South Dakota State. In it. And it's minus 139. It's Maryland, Michigan... NC State, UCLA, Ole Miss, and Iowa. All money line. Six teams, and they're all heavy favorites by at least 10.5 points, and it's out to minus 130. That's not bad. I do that every week just for college football only. So I have something that can have hope. And then now I'm going to go put my real college football one in, you know? I took it. I like that teaser. It's. They're sitting on FanDuel at minus 16.5 or a minus, I think, 7.10 money line, 7.10. All right, that's going to wrap up our college football talk, and that's going to wrap up the episode this week. Lots of good stuff in this basically two-part episode, two episodes, whatever you want to call it. Lots of good stuff coming, NFL starting next week. Huff, what do you got for us? Not much else coming from me. Stay tuned to the Instagram. We're definitely going to have some college football picks coming out maybe today. 
uh, as we still get rolling in the college football season. Stay tuned for the NFL starting next week. Uh, MLB card is still rolling pretty heavy, so um, that's going to do it for me. We'll see you guys next week. Can't wait for the NFL week one. Uh, We have officially made it to football season. Huff couldn't have said it any better myself. My favorite time of the year. The fantasy football drafts are rolling. The NCAA games are starting. We're ready to get the pigskin back out there. I'm ready to bet it. Look for our line coming out soon. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. See you next time. And that's going to do it for us this week on Hit the Books Podcast. Thank you for all the support week in and week out. Please be sure to share and check out our various social media platforms and check out our website. All the info is located in our link tree in the description below. And always remember to hit the books.